Amen. It's a good thing Tom wasn't doing music today. You wouldn't be able to see him. <laughs> Karn would be rejoicing just to know. I'll tell him to listen to the sermon. First, I uh, want to thank you, uh, especially all you veterans. Uh, we Literally, sometimes we go through, and sometimes you may not realize how much you are needed, respected, and how much we appreciate that we live in a free world because of you. And let's give a hand to the <laughs> veterans. <clears throat> I encourage you today as we... Uh, get to the end of the message today, you'll hear about fruit bearing and bearing fruit, and I encourage you to have ears to hear, uh, especially as during this season and throughout your day as you run across veterans. Uh, ask the Holy Spirit how he would have you love through them. Uh, many times to reach over, to say thanks, many times to pick up a tab, many times just to do things to tell them how much you appreciate them. Uh, and, and you'll find out that it does not stop with veterans. Pretty soon it goes on to somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. Pretty soon you find out you're loving everybody that you come in contact with. And, and that's the idea, to make an invisible God visible to people that are in dire need uh, of this God. Remember last week we, we stopped on at least this whole, the whole theme of what we talked about in Mark chapter 4, the parables of the soil, the parables that we're going to go on, the explanation of the soil, and all the different parables. And remember, we came to the conclusion, at least to have this foremost before you, is that God is a personal God, and his desire is to take those of you that are his, pull you to himself, and the word literally means take the lid off, reveal secrets to those he loves so that you're not in the dark and you have to guess and that was the main thing of why all the parables were spoken at one time, is so that people would realize, and he'd come over and tell them the secrets, and he'd tell another parable, and then he'd call those of his and tell them the secret. And that did not end with the disciples. He said, I write this for you that believe, but not only you, but those of you that will hear and believe in the future. That's us. And so we wanted to at least end with some things that will help and aid you in hearing the mysteries, the hiddenness of the things of God. Today we're going to go into a lot more detail about the soil so that my hope and my prayer is that we would have a, a body of people, a lot of the people that are the good soil, the rich soil that bear fruit. And we're going to look at some of the things that block us, the kinds of soil that can rob us from being fruit bearers. And, uh, and we'll go into a little bit on what that means. On the way up the hill, I was driving up the hill, and I had laid out kind of what I was going to do a couple weeks ago. And on the way up the hill, God gave me just a different format of how to present this today. So uh, I, I'm going to be obedient to it, and we're going to go ahead and walk through it. During the service, we are going to have many times we're going to stop and pray. And I encourage you, because I don't think there'll be anybody in here that won't enter into one of the prayers. Regardless of where you are, 
I believe that you are in a position to enter into the prayers. I, I really encourage you to make this prayer, whatever one it is, wherever God lifts the veil off today, shines a light and kind of pierces your heart and says, this is your prayer. Then make it your own. Make it your own prayer and ask God to go ahead and empower and equip you in what he's gonna ask for that prayer. We're gonna go all the way to Mark chapter four. We're gonna go all the way through the, the parable of the soils and come to the explanation of the soils. And in looking at the explanation of the soils, I think that we'll be able to kind of at least unfold some things that are maybe mysteries that we can share together. I had one yesterday as I was going through and making preparation that was revealed to me. It was interesting. After you hear it, you see, you think, how can I be so ignorant that I did not know that? And uh, yet I think sometimes we have things that rob us from it. So first of all, when he says, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How are you gonna understand all of the parables? For the sower sows the word, and the word is the word of God. John 1 says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. The word is Jesus Christ being expressed, whether it's through the written things in the Bible or through the character and the attributes of this king, Jesus Christ, and how he lived life. That is the seed that was being planted. And it says, when it was being planted, uh, he says the sower sowed this word, the word of Christ, or the life of Christ. And these are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear it, immediately Satan comes, takes away the word which has been sown in them. And Matthew, in the same translation, says, because they had no understanding of what was being said. They could not understand the life that was in the words. Now, I believe the secular world and us many, many times can understand the written word of God. And I say the written word, I'm talking about the pages that are written on the Bible. And all the do's and don't do's, we can quote a lot of them. I'm talking about the living word of God that brings life in it, that brings freedom in it, and it's somehow hidden in the pages of the written word. They could not understand the freedom of this message. Some of you in here are possibly in that position. And so if you're in that position, what it really means is I'm not really sure I want this. I'm not really sure I embrace it or even understand it. I'm not sure that I understand what you guys get all excited about and some of you are up here just raising your hands. What in the world? I don't get this then I ask you to join me in prayer. Father, I don't even know how to pray, let alone join in on this prayer. But I do ask you this for my heart. If you are real, if these words are true that have penetrated so many of the lives of the rest of the people in here, would you lift the veil off my eyes that I might see and enter in to this household? I don't know how else to ask you other than I don't know how to make it happen. 
and I ask you to penetrate my soul and I will look for your voice after this prayer. And I do ask it because Jesus said somehow I could ask it. Amen. There are some of you in here that fit in between these two soils. And that means maybe your heart has been longing for this. You watch people and there's some ache in your heart. I, I heard a song by a, uh, a group called, uh, Nick had shared it with me, called, uh, it's a Chain and Chain. And, and in, in the song, I just was driving along and I heard these and I could not get the chorus out of my mind. Lord, I want to yearn for you. I want to burn with passion over you. And I couldn't get that out of my heart. Maybe some of you in here have something in you that's burning for this, but you just don't know how to enter into this. Then I would ask you, if, it, if you're at this place, and your soul, not all the words that are being said here, but if your soul embraces what I'm about to pray, that you would make it your prayer. The rest of you, would you also quiet yourself as we pray? Lord Jesus, I, I'm not at the place where I don't know that I want you. I'm at a place where I do desire you. I just don't know how to get there. I know that my life has been filled with my own methods, my own strategies. I've lived life the best that I know how. And in doing so, I know that I have fallen short of your very life. And because of that walking, that has caused a division, a separation between you and me. Not only will it bring forth death in my body, but it will bring forth death in our relationship for all of eternity. I do not want that. So I embrace what you have said, that Jesus, you came and you paid this penalty for death, this penalty for separation. You paid it on my behalf. I don't understand it. I probably will never comprehend it. But I open my heart to you at this hour, on this day of November 19th, 16. Would you come in to my life this day, at this moment, and let's start this journey in your family that I might now have what it takes to come to the understanding. Jesus, I thank you for coming into my life right now. And as a witness that you have come by faith, not by how I feel, but how faith. I will tell somebody what I have done today, that they may rejoice in this. And then, Father, your words that you declared that said, if you will declare this before men, I will release my angels in heaven to have power to work within your life. Thank you, Father, that I now enter into the kingdom of God. And I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. It goes on here, and it says... And in a similar way, these are the ones on whom the seed was sown on the rocky places, who when they received the word, immediately received it with joy. And they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. So when affliction, persecution arises in the word, and it says the other two translations said temptation, immediately they fall away. I want you to notice something about this phrase, it, 
it's not so much when the temptation and the persecution and the pressures come, because they will come to everybody. Seems like everybody around me right now is being pressed, and, and by losing somebody, or all these different types of heartaches that come upon them. And uh, one guy said, I'm not sure I want to be your friend. And I said, well, it, it isn't just me, it's being anybody's friend. They're coming anywhere and everywhere. But I want you to notice that they have no firm root in themselves. And, and, I, and I think I'd like you to examine this, each of you individually. If you know the, the way and the working of plants and trees, and you know that they, they go down, and sometimes they work so hard where the, they're going out and the roots are going out, and it, it's like they're alive, and if you can speed it up like they do on the uh, television and show you how things grow, and you can see them look for food and look for nutrition, that they might pull that nutrition into them, come in through the roots and then into the trunk and out to the things. They don't have that or you don't have that, and partly I think it's because of this. And it's, and it's, and it's referred to many times. Because your faith is not your own. Your faith has been your parents' faith. You've heard the things your parents have said, so you've kind of believed it because your parents said it. Or maybe you've just had it because you came to this church over and over again and you heard, which I hope is the word of God taught, and maybe then your faith has been one of the pastors and your faith is kind of in, hope. well, I hope they're right, I'll at least get on the same ship as they're going. Or maybe the faith has been your spouse. Well, your spouse has come to faith, so you came along and you, you hang along and you, you, you wander along, but when anything comes, there's no firm root. And the word says you fall away. It's basically all it says is you stumble and fall. And then you get up and because the root is not solid, you stumble and fall. Think of that in contrast with this man who wrote this portion of scripture, who I believe had such a firm faith that when things came, there was no stumbling and falling. Oh God, you are so awesome in your deeds towards us men. Let us rejoice in you. I want to bless my God and give sound praise to him who keeps us in life and does not allow my feet to slip hard. For you have tried us, oh God. We are refined as silver and refined because of you. You brought us into this net. You laid an oppressive burden on my loins. You have made men ride over our heads. You have caused us to go through the fire and through the water and the suffering. Yet you did not, yet you brought us out in a place of abundance. Come and hear all you that will learn to fear God, and I'll tell you what he has, he has done to my soul. If I regarded wickedness in my heart, the Lord would not hear, but certainly God has heard me and he's given heed to my prayer, so I am going to bless God who has, turned, who has not turned away from my prayer because his loving kindness leads him. This is David in the midst of all kinds of turmoil, temptation, and all kinds of pressure, but because he had firm roots, it didn't cause him to just stumble. It caused him actually to say, God, you said that when you purify us, you bring us forth even better than we were before this thing came upon me. So I don't understand it, but my roots are firm enough that I believe you know better than I do, and so therefore I will yet praise him. 
the lyrics of another song by Shane and Shane. You're enough for me. Though you slay me, yet I will praise you. Though you take from me, I will bless your name. Though you ruin me, still I will worship. Sing a song to the one who is all I need. Would you pray with me? Father, this seems like me. It seems like I want to. I look around and something in my heart I know has been planted there. You did a work in me. You began a work. And I know that somehow it is there. I can't find peace if I go far from you. But I feel like there's just no root in me. Father, I repent that I have not made you my own faith. Would you accept even the limited amount of what it looks like? Would you build in me and let you and I begin to journey in making this my own faith so it can't be ripped from me? I ask you, Father, in Jesus' name, begin a work in me. Pour out your fertilizer around me. Pour out your love around me so that I might grow into my own faith. And I know, Lord, it may not look like my parents. It may not look like my spouses. It might not look like people's in this churches, but it will be yours and mine. And I know it will hold me firm then. And I ask this in your precious name. Amen. Now, others are the ones on whom the seed was sown among the thorns. And these are the ones who have heard the word but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of things. Do you guys get that? Yeah, I'll repeat that. And the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires. Now you got it, didn't you? This is the illustration he's making. Literally, the worries of the world, the desires for riches, the desires for fame, the desires for notoriety, all of the things that you and I are so busy about are so noisy we cannot hear the things of God. And it is just like this being... Now, we can get this out here and you can still hear me and you can hear both things, can you not? But the difference is now I can somehow still hear the things of God. Let's give some illustrations. Let's say you are so busy for whatever reason yours might be, and I'm talking about my own bent right here. I can end up being way busier than God wants me to be, and I can get going. Now, <clears throat> some people's busyness is because they're trying to earn more and more and more so they can get enough to hold to keep them safe so when hardship comes, they'll have enough to rest in. So therefore, the discontentment of riches and money become what drives them, and they are so busy most of the time. Some of you are like me where I just don't want to displease people. So I say yes to too many things. I don't want to let anybody down, so I say yes to them. And so therefore, when I'm driving along and uh, maybe at the end of the day, I don't know if my oldest son is here today, but I said, Jess, you get up every morning and I, I get to watch him. And you're just jolly in the morning. And it's just fun to watch how joyful you are with your kids. And then by the end of the day, we both come in after work. And I don't mean he always does or I always do, but something has choked things. And so what happens 
is it says you are the ones that you no longer bear fruit. Now remember, fruit is not going and telling everybody about Christ. That's not fruit. That, those are seeds and results of fruit. Fruit is the outward expression of the life of Christ in you. It's the character and the attributes of Jesus Christ. We're going to read what it really looks like. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, love, joy. Not just that you have it, but those around you, it splashes on them. They get near you and it's kind of all over them. Let's use the two examples. You're on your way somewhere, maybe it's church. This usually happens. You get up, you're trying to get a bunch of kids ready for church and they're not behaving and they're not getting dressed and, they're, and pretty soon all the noise is coming and you're getting pretty distressful like this and you're on your way up for church and somebody pulls in front of you and you either uh, give them a sign or something that you're going to go ahead and tell them, you are frustrated with this. Learn how to drive. Where did you get your driver's license? The fruit's being ripped out because of something that somehow means we're in a hurry. Have you ever noticed when you really are out just driving around and you just have some time to waste, you're going to drive, drive around and people pull around? You just don't get upset. The fruit of Christ's life seems to flow out of you. Now, 1 Peter says that the fruit, or 2 Peter says, the fruit is in you. It has already been placed in you. If you were one of the people that asked Christ to come into your life today, guess what? You possess all the fruit that every one of us possess in this room. You possess, it says, the very nature of God now dwells within you. And all the fruits of Christ are yours now. But with all the worries and stresses and all the things that we decide to get caught up, they cause the fruit to no longer be seen. I know normally whenever my wife and I have any type of disagreement, it's when we're worn out, we're drained, and we just don't have time to listen. What is it? that drains you. I want you to think about that. What is it that chokes out your life? What is it that consumes your time in your head? What is it that is always somehow nagging you? Is it this unbelievable desire to reach, to perform, to get better? It will be so noisy it will drown out and you won't bear fruit. What is it that brings out this anger inside you that you think, God, I hate this. What is it? I'm sorry about, this is embarrassing, but not long ago I was, uh, now we're really going to disclose something. The, the pastors and Steve and Pat and I used to get together and we'd always meet somewhere and we'd meet somewhere where nobody else would find us, which was a bar usually. We didn't always have alcohol. We many times had the Arnold Palmer or something. But I remember making this comment one time. We were in there. They came around. They asked, hey, what would you like? What would you like? And they said, would you like a, a beer? And I said, no, I got to go back to work. And it dawned on me of that comment. Oh, so if I would have a beer, I would not be a, on my A game. I would not be sharp at work. But if I wasn't going to work, I, I would actually go home to be with my wife my grandkids, which do I need to be sharp in? And the point that God made me is, if it is not okay to have something here, then it should not be okay to ever have it anywhere. What he was saying is, make sure you're always able to be filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
And it hit me on so many different things. What is it that I somehow take that can rob me from the sensitivity to hearing God's voice? I ask you that question now. And would you pray with me? Father, this is so wide that you spent almost the rest of the New Testament letters writing about this. Everybody in here, I know, can be so choked out by the concerns or the worries that this world has told us we need. Every commercial on television tells us, Father, something that if we got it, we would be happier. Something in me just longs, and I spend my energy and my time looking on the Internet to see what will satisfy me. Lord, maybe there's things that I'm partaking in that just somehow keep me so preoccupied I can't hear the softness of your voice. It's drowned out by the shaking noise that goes on. Would you right now, Father, put a finger on what it is in my life that you're wanting to touch? And I know that you may not give me the full answer right now as we pray, but I think you will tell me what it is, and then you and I can look into it. I pray right now in Jesus' powerful name that you would lift the veil so that I might see what it is that is choking me out. Amen. And then he said, And then there were those on whom the seed was sown and the good soil, and they hear the word and accept it, and they bear fruit thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. Back in Second Peter, matter of fact, it's the only verse in the Bible that talks about the word nature. I know that if you read the NIV, that it, it transfers and puts nature in for the word flesh. That is not in the original text. In the original text, this is the one verse that talks about nature. That we have been given the divine nature of God as believers. Uh, this is Second Peter, starting chapter 1, starting with verse 3. You could actually, Marcia, start with verse 2. Granted to us now everything pertaining to life and godliness, through true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious, magnificent promises, in order that by them you might become partakers of this divine nature, capitalized, having escaped now the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now, for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply all moral excellence, in your moral excellence, knowledge, in your knowledge, self-control, in your self-control, perseverance, in your perseverance, godliness, in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are now yours and are increasing and regular, you neither useless or unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus. Now, on your own, I'd like you to continue reading that. What this is basically saying is that you and I, if you and I have somehow come to bow our knees to the understanding of God being our life, these were poured into you, poured into me. They are ours, and they will start producing this fruit. You don't have to struggle to try to produce fruit. A vine doesn't 
to produce a grapevine. It's just coming out of the nature of what's inside it, and all it is is a bearer. It just holds the fruit, and the fruit comes out. So now you can go ahead and say this is an apple, and the apple's growing. You're not even supposed to pay attention to how, who picks the fruit. That's up to God to decide who picks the fruit, which is our next portion of, my goodness, we'll have to hurry, our next portion of Scripture. The fruit that you bear now, the good soil that's going to be a hundredfold, listen to this, this is not necessarily how many people that you have shared Christ and have prayed the prayer with you. It's not how many people that you have memorized or how many verses you have memorized. It's not how often you come to church. It's not how much you write your tithe. Those are results of the fruit. But the fruit is the life of Christ coming through you. Last week I alluded to going into restaurants and seeing people that, you know, will come in there and make sure everybody sees that they've prayed their prayer and blessed their food, and then they're rude to the, the uh, waitress, and they're, they're just belligerent. They're not at all producing fruit. The fact that they bowed their head, God says, is a disgrace to him, and it's a dishonor to him to bow your head and to pour out that kind of fruit that isn't suitable to you. It, it goes on in 2 Peter 1 to say, if you are not bearing that fruit, then you have forgotten. It's not telling you, get performing, get doing under the law. It's saying, you have forgotten what I poured in you. It should just come out because your soil is good. And we're going to look at what is good soil. Number one that I want you to understand, and I want you to hear this because we're going to also talk about how you minister to soil. Let's make this practical. That sounds so religious, how you minister to soil. How about this? You see something that you think you should tell your wife. How do you know you should tell her or not? You see somebody that you think you should tell them information, how do you know you should talk to them about that or not talk to them about that? You ever had that thought? Who's going to tell them if I don't? The first thing for good soil is found in Proverbs. It gives a whole bunch of verses all the way through Proverbs 10, Proverbs 9, Proverbs 23, verse 7, and it says this, the good soil, the wise man eagerly seeks information from other people that he might become even wiser. It, the word there says he hears, it's actually an illustration taken from a little doe uh, deer that has its ears perked up so it might hear something in order to run. It's, it's looking for the danger so that it will respond to the danger. So the first thing is, are you teachable? Do you have people around you that just get to speak into your life? Because I promise you don't see yourself accurate. I can assure you that. And it says the wise man becomes even wiser because he listens to counsel and listens to words and he grows even wiser and therefore when he grows wiser he becomes even more sensitive to the things of God because he's obedient to the things that were spoken to him. But it says this, the fool... The scoffer, they'll sound like such religiously bad names. All those names mean are they want their own way. 
They don't want your advice. So the Bible says, don't give your advice to somebody that does not want it. I am so glad this political thing is done. Everybody wanted to give you their advice. And this Bible says, if you got somebody that's wise and, hey, I'm really confused, would you kind of shed some light on it? Now you can go ahead and probably say it. But other than that, it says, don't pour your seed onto soil that's not ready. It's not good soil. That's a good answer for you. Should I tell them this? Not if they're not wanting to grow from it. The Bible says, don't. They'll, be, they'll reject you. They'll actually criticize your name, and they'll even come to hate you. That word literally means they'll alienate themselves from you. They don't want your advice, so just keep it to yourself. This is also for the non-believer. It isn't more spiritual to push through. I'm going to tell them the four spiritual laws, whether they like it or not. They're going to hear this. If they're scoffers, and you can tell right away when you start to talk about Christ, and they're scoffing, the Bible says, don't give them information. Just love them. Stop your tongue right there. They're not eager for it. That is not my advice. That's all through it. I have lots of verses for you if you want to hear them. Lastly, I, I'll say this because I, I would like to actually have an entire session sometime on this. The next portion of scripture says, and he was saying, a lamp is not brought to be put under a peck measure, is it? Or under a bed? Is it not brought to be put a lamp on a lampstand? For nothing is hidden except will be revealed, nor has anything been secret that it should come to the light. For if any man has ears to hear, let him hear this. And he was saying, take care what you listen to. For by your standard of measure, it shall be measured to you, and more shall be given to you besides. For whoever has, to him shall more be given. Whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Let me give you a very short, brief thing to think about and ponder, and we will hit this verse another time in full, maybe one or two sessions. Everything you do in your life, from the time you get up in the morning and brush your teeth, will come to light. It will come to light. And those things that are good fruit, and that means those things that Christ actually in you did, which can be brushing your teeth, will remain when the consuming fire comes in that day. God will come in his consuming fire and everything that is not from Christ, that even was from your flesh, it might even be religious, it might even be coming to church, it says will be consumed immediately. It will not be remain. And those things that you have done will remain and actually bear more fruit. It does matter how you respond. Don't think it doesn't. If you say, well, I'm under grace. Yeah, you know what? Your identity is set. God loves you. You're his child, and that will never change. You're going to the kingdom of God to be in his family. That will never change. But you will miss out on some of the most blessed things of life if you're not at least responsive enough to say, God, I desire to be good soil so that your life can flow through me, that I might bear forth your image to other people. And also, Lord, there is in the back of my mind 
that someday when you come and your consuming comes and burns, that will remain. It'll be something you and I did together. And for some reason, you say that's important. Would you pray with me? Fathers, we come to the end of this. You, for some reason, said at the end of all this, now, if anybody has ears, let them hear this word. We pray that our soil would be good soil, that it would bear forth fruit in such a manner that you would be reflected through us, that your fruits that you poured into us would come out of us, and we would love the fact that we are kind to people. Father, I pray right now that you help my soil be fertilized, that you help it be ready. My part to you, Father, is this. I will obey whatever you tell me to do. I know I can't in my own power do it. In my own strength, it is impossible for me to do. But your life, abiding with me in my life, can produce your fruit, and I get to be a part of it. Would you do that in my life, even beginning today? And Lord, shut my mouth, because I don't know how to do it to giving advice to people that are not eager to hear that my advice. You said that I will accomplish what concerns them, Bill, or put your name in there. And Father, you know, as we look around this room, everybody in here had one of these prayers be theirs. Would you, in the name of Jesus Christ, put a covering of protection over the enemy and his lying deception darts cancel them out and let those prayers be honored today in Jesus name. Amen.